Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the origin story of Jason Zook and Caroline Zook. We recorded this episode for you so that you could learn more about us. Yeah. So we, well, first you're going to hear us decide where do we begin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We couldn't decide how far back on the origin story, but we went pretty far. Yeah. But if you are interested in just how a little bit of how we grew up and what informed our lives um, moving forward, a little bit of the college years, our first jobs, uh, we talk about kind of how we got into the entrepreneurial game. It's kind of like if you were to watch an abridged version of all the Saved by the Bell franchises, <laughs> like throughout time. We just do that on this episode. The juiciest part, though, is that you will hear us get into the untold story a bit. We get a lot deeper than we ever have before on how we met, Ooh. the messy kind of circumstances under and which we fell in love. Love Sparks. Hashtag Love Sparks. Yeah, Nicholas Sparks couldn't even write this story. What? Is that the person? Yes. <laughs> no, nice. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, Sparks through, like, came in the, they right went in to the, the files. Love anyway, Sparks. hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, this is our origin story. Hey there, we're Jason and Caroline Zook, a husband and wife team who believes life is just one big experiment. This is the show where we share our journey as we figure out this ever-changing thing called life. We cover topics like running a business, traveling the world, and clawing our way out of debt, all with the hope of inspiring you to live, work, and create with more intention. Life might bring its twists and turns, but when you know who you are and what you want, you're never really lost. Welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. Yes, Jason. We're going to start recording right now is when I'm going to say that this officially started. So it's 1.20. You don't want to get any um, of that good stuff we talked about just before? Nah. Like my rambling and my talking. Oh, nah. Okay. Nah. Oh. Uh, so what I would, uh, I'd love to know is how far back do you want to go for the people of our origin story here? Just as far back as you want to go. Do you want to go just our origin story or do you want to go like no. our individual origin story? Like think- we're superheroes. <laughs> like, yeah. when did you get bit by the spider? Right, right, right. Right. What I think is interesting is we can go back and forth on just, like, what led us to here, and each person can just share what they think is relevant. Well, how about this? I'll let you take the lead, and then I'll just, like, bebop a story of the same time in my life. How's that? That sounds like such a good idea. Yeah. All right. And commence. <laughs> Where did it all begin, Jason? Uh, you were, were you a sperm or an egg? Half of We've each. We've been over this. You were half it of takes each. both. You were half of each. Half of each. I'd say you were more an egg than a sperm. <laughs> I think so. Don't you think so? Like, I'm definitely way more a sperm than an egg. Don't you think so? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> I don't know how babies work. <laughs> All right, so. I'm sorry. I'm just like imagining like what if you really were like man so, just like all women are more egg than sperm so and take more me, take me back to the moment to when the moment. you were half of an egg and half of a sperm no oh okay listen let's begin with what the whole purpose of this episode i think is interesting is the journey to now right okay. so i That's, think i i mean if we just say what i brought up is part of that journey <laughs> absolutely <laughs> okay. true but I think what's more interesting is sort of like after college and sort of the entrepreneurial oh, journey. Okay. Right. However, if you would like to share any relevant details about your coming of age, mm. how you grew up, where you went to school, mm. what elements of that in your story you feel like are pertinent to what you did after college, I think that that's helpful. So where did it all begin for you? No, you're supposed to start. I'm, we're oh, I'll start. Yeah. 
So the only thing I will say about my sort of like formative years that I so think... So we are doing formative years. The, just what did I just say? What did I just say? <laughs> I'm just say? giving you a hard time because it's fun. <laughs> Anything that's pertinent. For anybody who's not, list, who's not watching the video of this, if you listen to the podcast... I'm telling you, this one's just going to be way more like fun to watch. Why? Yeah, just Why? the physicalness of oh, it. Oh, you're feeling the physicalness yeah, of it. I just it. can feel it already. Did you? Do you think that it's your face when you said the word sperm? Is like oh well, probably also that. Part yeah, of it? that okay. I think everyone. Actually, I if don't you're even... in your car, just pull over, go to YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember the, the face that I made when you went down that whole yeah, line you of. Really liked but it. I yeah. did okay. enjoy it. Let's move on. What I was saying is, any pertinent details from growing yeah, up? Yeah, so yeah. my pertinent details from that time in my life, I think, would be. I think I we should had do a, a whole episode on childhood okay. where we could fill in that whole gap I later think that on. That's a I great think it's idea. just fun for everyone else to be a part of too, and they can relive their childhood, and we can have childhood memories together and all that stuff. So right. let's. And you also, want, you and I, what I think is very funny about it is we are six and a half years apart or something. Six, six years, years apart. apart. Yeah. So whenever you mention your childhood, yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh, cultural landmarks, here's I'm perfect, like, here's a perfect one for everybody at home. Nelly's album, Nelly the rapper, his album, Country Grammar came out for me when I was a freshman in college. I was in middle school, did not have <laughs> boobs yet. <laughs> so you were touching boobs and I was growing them. <laughs> oh man, I'm creeped out. Creeped I'm, out. If I would have said that, it's by creepy. the way, that's no, different. I know, but it's my body so I can say it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that is a difference okay, in, anyway, in our ages. So that's, that's how we'll get everybody up to speed on all that stuff. Okay. Later. The important part is, where did I come from? What Egg, was formative? Sperm. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so I had an awesome childhood. I grew up in Florida. I had a very large blended family. So for those of you that don't know, cause I've talked about it a bunch, but like my parents were divorced by the time I was like nine months old. So I always grew up with basically a dad, a mom and a stepdad. My mom and my stepdad got remarried when I was like two or three. And so I had these new stepbrothers and my dad eventually got remarried also. So I had other step siblings. So, and then I had a half sister that was born, another half brother that was born. So there was just like a lot of kids around. Um, and I was always like a super sensitive kid. And I was pretty much the only one like that in my Would you say that you were maybe more egg than sperm? I would say maybe a little <laughs> bit more egg than sperm. You guys know how that works. Um, and <laughs> if any doctors are listening to this, we have an, any doctor listeners just like, wow. And a whole nother episode that's just like Jason Life explains. Science by Jason yeah, and Carol. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because I do think that I was also really creative as a kid. Um, but I think that was an outlet for my sort of sensitivity. When you say creative, define creative. I mean, since the time I can remember, every birthday gift was some type of marker set or so it was like, like crafting uh, like and drawing, painting, drawing, that type of painting, beading. I remember this is beading, beading. <laughs> making oh, beads. beads. What did I, what did you think? Well, I said? beating. Oh, beating. <laughs> yeah, like, that's just so you know. Drawing, painting, beating people. That's a real up. sociopathic. No, like you no but just as a small aside story, I can remember in fifth grade um, when we were all about to graduate from fifth grade, making, buying at Michael's the tiny wooden, like very small, like treasure chest looking things, hand painting them. Mm. And then hand lettering the names of my best friends on top, but mm. also choosing the color based on the personality of my friends. Yeah. So like these like thoughtful DIY type of crafts and things were always a part of what I wanted to do as a kid. Um, but I realized really young that I was pretty good at school and taking tests and somebody telling me, Hey, here's what to do. And then I would do it. And what I now know as an adult, not to get too far into that is that being a sensitive kid, sometimes I think 
very sensitive people can use other ways to try and protect themselves from being rejected. And I feel like my performance and my perfectionism was my way of being accepted. Like it became clear to me that that was a way that I could gain acceptance. Um, so I just became a very overachieving, over-perfectionist in school kind of a kid. The reason that's important is because, well, I guess before I go down that road, let I'll turn it back over to you. So what do you think, looking back at your childhood, what was that like? So and, super abridged, formative recap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recap. Like what was the family dynamic and what do you feel like you learned about yourself in those years that has become more clear to you as an adult? Yeah, I grew up with a lot of change. So yeah. moved around, I mean, a good bit for a kid whose parents weren't in the military. So my mom was just... Always on a quest to, I think, try and better herself and better our position as a family. So I think we have that in common. Like, yeah. even though we didn't move a lot, but my mom also, I feel like, would do anything to just give my brothers or my brother, like the whole family, a better chance at. Right. But anyway. uh, yeah, something better than what they had, yeah. essentially. So uh, also child of divorced parents, although, yeah, I don't I don't really know the details of my biological father and that split. I, I think they were married. I don't know. I've never really asked. Mostly because I just don't care about my biological father whatsoever. Like, there are people who are like, I never met my father, blah, blah. Like, I've just heard a couple bad stories. And so for me, like, that's my personality. Like, you're out. Like, it's just like, bye. Like, I just don't care. Um, so we'll dive into that yeah, in the childhood yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so until I was eight, I was an only child. And so my mom, we lived in Arizona pretty much that full time, moved around a couple different places, then to California for a couple years. My sister showed up, uh, <laughs> then to Virginia. Back to the egg and sperm. Yep, <laughs> my sperm. sister showed up. Uh, and then... Virginia after California, and then New Jersey, and then Florida for school where, where we met. Not in school, but that's where we met. Um, but for me, I just remember, you know, my mom was just a strong person. And I was even thinking this morning while I was making coffee or something, just thinking about like all the little things that she probably taught me that have stuck with me for so long. And I, the thing that I was most thinking about was I was actually listening to Matt Diavella's podcast interview with Brandon Lachey, who's a woman, uh, and she's African-American. And they were talking about, and I don't watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, and I think it was The Bachelorette they were specifically talking about where it was the first African-American... Rachel Lindsay. Bachelorette. Yep, test me. And they were both like, it only took 18 years. And I'm like, that's just amazing. It's like, I just, I don't even think about those things at all. Like, I don't even think about people as like, not to say like, I don't see color, but it's more of just like, I just think of them as people. Like we're all just people. So I give my mom a lot of credit because that had to have come from her because otherwise, I mean, where else would it have come from? Yeah. Oh, anyway. Man, that opens up a Pandora's box. Sure. But I'm going to restrain yeah, yeah. myself and not touch on that topic. Yeah, well, but I know what you're trying to say, which is that your mom instilled in you the value of not you know, judging other people yeah. based on any other characteristics. My mother did the same. And then I think what we also have in common, maybe more for me than you, and I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but, uh, you know, my mom, I think just was always like, you can do anything. Like you could just do whatever you want. I was a creative kid as well. I filled sketchbook after sketchbook and we found them when we moved. So mm -hmm. there's like actual proof of all the sketchbooks mm -hmm. I had. Um, and, and I just was, I was probably more an introverted kid did a little bit of sports here and there, didn't have a ton of friends, always have just had a couple close friends, and then have just always had a complex of authority. So yeah. that's been a thing that's like run rampant which through my life. So which is so funny to me because the contrast in both of us is like, you. I saw authority as a way to validate myself and like it, like, I liked rules because it was super clear cut of how I could succeed and that yeah. made me feel good. You saw rules as like super confining, super like, 
not I hate like rules. you're just like well, I, just I don't understand rules just don't make sense to yeah me. I exactly mean, some rules obviously make sense but the majority of rules especially in business stuff are just yeah. such arbitrary completely made up pieces of but I love that about both of our stories because it I think defined a lot of our early years and that was one thing that when I met you it was so refreshing to have this very clear handsome, handsome tall, talented brooding, yeah this very clear brooding. picture of what it looks like to question those rules and question conventions. And I didn't have a lot of people around me up until that point to kind of say, yeah, but what if it doesn't have to be that way? And you were the first person in my life to really live that in like a very deep way. And that totally changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I again, I give my mom a lot of credit for a lot of things, but I'm not exactly sure she was the one who instilled in me the like question everything thing. I think I just naturally came totally. across that. And I remember like very distinct things. So number one was religion and that like we were a pretty religious family, but I just didn't get it. Like it just did not make sense to me. Yeah. And when something fundamentally doesn't make sense in my brain, I can't buy into it. Like you right. have to explain it in a way that I can understand. Otherwise I just am like, I'm out. And I, I remember that of like conventional ways to save money and invest money was another one. Um, how to operate and run businesses was another one. Um, and then there was something else that you were just math. saying. <laughs> math. Uh, but no, just like all these things, like I just, I became very much so like a questioner of all these different things. So yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that catches us up formative years. Yeah. I think that it's just interesting. Paints a nice picture of who we of are. Who we were. If people have known us for a while, they're probably like, I already knew all these or like, or I like could have said all those things just based on your personalities of yeah. like how you grew up. Yeah. But for all the, the noobs out there, that was to really get you caught up. On well, yeah. Beginning. And I did the one thought that I had during that, that I wanted to say also is I think one of the most amazing things that both of our mostly moms, but like parents did was, well, it's only moms. For it's me. not this idea of like anything is possible, but cause there's a pr element of practicality to it, but it's this idea of possibilities. I think the best thing you can do as a parent is, like when you're a kid, you're wide eyed and you're just, you want to believe in all these different possibilities. And I think so many kids get their dreams squashed so early. And so then they learn, oh, I can't dream. I can't, there are no possibilities. Like I have to be practical. And there's a balance of course, but I think at that age, if you can just for your kids, give them this sense that, you know, let's start with the possibilities. Let's not count ourselves out right out of the gate. Um, and that you can try things because my mom did the same thing. And I do think that that carries through now where it's like, okay, if you're willing to work hard enough and believe in yourself, like you can achieve things that you didn't think were possible, yeah. you know? All right. So fast forwarding, uh, quite a bit, let's say, yeah. uh, through college, after college, getting into maybe where our origins as entrepreneurs started. Yeah. Well, did you do anything entrepreneurial as a kid? Never. Me either. Really? I mowed lawns. That's the only thing. I babysat. I mean, that's not entrepreneurial, yeah. but like I knew what it was to make money. I had a babysitter. That's the same. Yeah. Same. Cool. Um, but I will say that it was another gift and another thing that I think you and I both have is that we didn't come from much money. Mm -hmm. And so my mom, my parents were just like, if you want money, mm -hmm. you must make money. Yeah. And so it was never, I did not have this idea of like my parents just giving me money. And so I remember by the time I turned 16 and it was like, okay, if I want a car, okay, if I want gas for that car, okay, if I want clothes to go to school, like we were to the point where my mom would be like, okay, we can't afford a hundred dollar yearbook every year. So you got to pick the two years out of high school that you're, you want to. And I was like, well, I want this yearbook. And it, so I was like, if I want this, I must make that money. Yeah. And I think that's a really important 
important skill to learn as a young person. So I had a couple of jobs. Um, I was just going to say, let's not fast forward to college yet. Let's go first jobs. Because I, I don't think that's going to be childhood. Yeah. Childhood's going to be more the deep stuff and I'm going to get on the couch and we're going to really go through some I had, of my, right, my right, things. Right, right, right. Yeah. I had some like under the table, like my, I remember this one time, my mom has worked like a whole bunch of different jobs. During this one time period, she was working at this like chemical import export company. Oh, interesting. I know. I'm so like, just some drug trafficking? Just some drug trafficking. Yeah, okay, no. Cool. This chemical company that would like sell chemicals to, you know, cleaning, whatever. They were like a, a chemical company and they needed somebody to do data entry. And so I have a feeling that like all the old people who worked to that office were like, what are computers? And I being like a digital native to some degree, it was like, I know spreadsheets. I know programs. I can How old this. were you at this time? 12. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so wow, like wow. they just paid me by the hour and I would just go into this little office and do data entry and wow. maybe older. Don't. Don't come after my mom or the company. <laughs> um, but that was really fun. I also painted the office for money. I remember I listened to like three or four John Mayer albums, like full albums, um, painting that office. So like under the, yeah, but yeah. my first like real sanctioned by the government job was Rita's Italian Ice. Yeah. Shout out Rita's fans. Yes. Don't go there anymore. It's just death in a cup. Yeah. And also an important lesson from that was that I learned. So within a couple of weeks of working at that job, I just took it really seriously and the owner operators of that business also took it really seriously. And so I got like a quarter or a 50 cent raise on my like minimum Whoa, wage or wow, whatever. Wow, wow. And they were like, this is the fastest we've ever given anyone a raise, but you clearly do a really good job. And so that also was like, ding, ding, ding. If more, you work hard, if you, well, yeah, but also like if you work hard, if you, this is also reinforcing my love of the rules where I'm like, they told me what to do. I did it. I got rewarded for right, it. Exactly. This feels so great, you yeah. know? Um, but it, it, it instills in you a, a feeling of hard work. And if you put in that work, there's a reason to care. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what was your first job? Um, my v very first job that I remember doing. So like, hello train and getting paid money for the work that I did was mowing lawns. And I think I did it for like, three other lawns besides ours and i was like nope you don't have any interest dude mowing lawns is oh i just hated it and like now i think if if i had a lawn to mow i would probably really enjoy it because it'd be like a meditative practice yeah put in the old airpods listen to a podcast as loud as i possibly could probably have like an electric mower it's not that loud now but like i just remember the gas and the oil and the mess i was allergic to grass at the time too so like i was so itchy by the end of it also i don't even think i was allergic to grass i think just everyone is allergic it's, to fresh yeah cut it's grass. just that grass is itchy yeah, i don't I don't think like you're allergic. And stuff on. Anyway. I have some, as an aside, I would just like to note on record that I have some major doubts about you and your allergies that you have. What do you mean? I don't know about this melon allergy you keep saying <laughs> that you have, but then like you get, you accidentally eat some. I, th I think you just don't like honeydew and, and, cantaloupe. and cantaloupe. No, I definitely used to eat those things and my lips would swell up. My family can attest to that and actually seeing it happen. But I stopped eating it for like 10 years, so it probably did go away. Yeah, Anywho, probably. jobs. So uh, first official, I don't even know if it was an official job actually, was pumping gas in New Jersey at a gas station. Which I didn't know was a thing until I met you. Right. So I think New Jersey, Oregon, and a few other states, maybe Washington. Do we know where the origin of this comes It's to from? provide jobs. That's all it is. Wait, what? It's literally a way to provide jobs. So gas stations have gas station attendants. They pump the gas. They get paid a wage to do that. They're literally doing work. It is one of the most hilarious like things. Like a bathroom attendant. Yeah. It's one of the most hilarious, like, just messed up, oh, here's a job for somebody. It's like, that job doesn't need to exist. Like, you guys are trying to make right, jobs. Right, it's inefficient. It's, it's not a, like, no one's... No one's really like providing a service here that's needed. You're right. just filling like a gap. Anyway, I will say it's that- It's an interesting perspective. The, 
even though I don't believe that job should exist, yes. I think that was probably one of the best jobs I could have had as a kid because I had to talk to people. I had to uh, like converse with them. If I was nice to them, it's kind of a similar thing that I learned. Like I, re I distinctly remember a guy pulled up in a Porsche. It was a slightly older Porsche at the time and I'm like 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. um, and I go to get the gas thing and, and like pulls up rolls and he's like, oh yeah, like a super or whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. And I go to the back of the car the gas tank on a Porsche is in the front because it's a mid-engine car, which means the engine's in the rear, so the gas tank is up front. Had no I clue. Knew that. Had no clue. It, most people probably had no idea. Um, so I'm just standing like an idiot, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to Sound do. So I'm all flustered. Yeah. So you have to like deal with those right. types of situations, uncomfortability, like, yeah, all these and... different things, and like people pulling in their car the wrong way, and and then I had like everyone paid with cash. There wasn't credit cards at machines when I was right. 15. This is 21 years ago. Uh, so I remember carrying wads of cash. And like in my you have pocket. to make change. Well, and... I had to make change. So that's probably where my quick math. Also, skills come from you just there's kids walking oh, around with absolutely. wads of cash well back then not anymore i mean but for sure somebody yeah every could day totally i would have like two thousand dollars on oh me my God, but i would do drops out. all the time like there's drops. like a little drop that you okay do. can i do a drop but anyway gas station attendant and then literally <laughs> this is really funny to think about this was like a little downtown area if you mm -hmm. think about like where we live or maybe you have a little downtown near you there's like three streets to the downtown. It's like a grid, right? It's like, For a small town. This is yeah. not like skyscrapers. Right, this right, is right. Like, like downtown small, of a small yeah, yeah. city. So there's like three total streets and then three cross streets. Sure. Literally the gas station was on one corner. Complete opposite side was a grocery store. There was an herbal organic grocery store called Mrs. Herb's Good Foods. So I worked there as a produce boy. So I... You got a taste of California before you ever I made it out Yeah, here. it's really funny. And it was Did like... Did it plant the seed of being a hippie? No, I didn't even pay attention. I hated the food because it was like... <laughs> there were like and sprouts and everything oh. and avocados. Like, ugh, where are the Doritos? We didn't have Doritos. Uh, so I worked there and that was more of just like a like quiet manual labor behind the scenes. I worked at the cashier for like a month and then we moved. And then my other job in that downtown was at a Verizon store selling pagers. Yes. So not phone, not cell phone. Cell phones had not come out yet. It was literally beepers. Um, and that was, that was actually, I missed, this is another of our age gap. Yeah. You missed I missed those. the pagers because yeah. I think they came out when my brother was in middle school. Right. I was 16 when I got that job. So you would have been 10. So you wouldn't have needed a I pager. Need, what, who paged me? <laughs> you wouldn't have needed a pager. But it's really funny. Like I had all three of those jobs right around the same year or two. Mm -hmm. And they all taught me all these different things. But I think the number one thing that it taught me across all of them was people skills. Yeah. Because even as a produce boy, like I would be out putting produce in the thing. And like a little old lady would come by and she'd be like, where's an eggplant or something like that? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, ma'am, it's over here. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's you just learn these skills. Yeah. And, and it was the same thing as you where if you were nicer to people, like that Porsche guy coming back to that story... He gave me a $20 tip. Yeah. And you you just learn that, oh, being nice gives you some type of rewards, not even necessarily monetarily, but just yeah. personally. Yeah, and I learned the same thing through that Rita's job. And then, like, in college, I was a hostess at Outback. And, like, keeping your cool, even when people are rude to you and understanding that it's your job to if you're the face of the company at that point, you know, so it's just like learn, teaching you all these lessons that you do end up kind of using in business. You just don't know it. Yeah. Um, okay. So those are fun jobs, but the, the important thing that I also wanted to touch on, I don't want to skate over the college to entrepreneurial years because some really important things for me happened during those years, which is that, you know, I think I, I told you guys, I was a really creative kid, but I learned that school was kind of the more, socially accepted path in life. So I was getting all these cues of people telling me that I was a talented artist. Like I, I even took a, an art class in high school, the one of the only like formal art classes I've ever taken. And my teacher, I, I have all of my old sketchbooks. And she was like on every page, like 
you're really talented. You have some raw talent. You should look into like, um, there's a thing called industrial design. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's like, you need to look into industrial design. I think you'd be really good at it. All these things like really trying to push me that this is a career. This is a viable path. And all I was hearing, cause I, I went to this very highly competitive high school was academics, doctor, lawyer, do Wasn't the it a school made of magnets. <laughs> it was magnet school. It was also a, an IB school. So no, but what is a magnet school? I have no idea. What's a magnet school. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually even know what the, it has nothing to do with magnets. No. Okay. It's just like, I had to want, you know, I haven't thought that since you told me, but I don't know what the actual, I don't, I don't even know what I would say the definition is, except that I believe my understanding of it as I went to one are they are public schools, but, but have special programs for that are more academically rigorous. Got it. So, um, and, and that kids can go there that aren't just local. So like I was bust in to go to this magnet school, but my high school was the number one, like according to standardized testing, the number one high school in the nation, the years that I went there, which wow. is crazy. And so then it, you left and just, and then it just, but like, you can tell that you hear that, like you go to high school and you hear that. And even that, even in understanding that you have an expectation of yourself that academics are very important and you need to be the best and you have to compete and all these things. And so by the time I got to college, my focus was I'm going to be successful and I'm using, what do we call them for? Air, airplane, airplane quotes. quotes. For those of you just listening, I'm using airplane quotes successful. So to me, that meant being a doctor or being a lawyer, or being something prestigious in society. Isn't that so funny that that's still, the, it's like, still a I thing. think if you still, well, maybe it's changing slightly now, but even like, I just remember from all of my years, it's like, Oh, if you want to do well, doctor, lawyer, doctor, lawyer whatever, like you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year and you're going to be rich and successful. And that's yeah. it. Like, that's what you think. It's just yeah. amazing. That that's what we think. I know. I blame the, um, board game life because you know, they have yeah, those little yeah, job yeah. cards. Also the, like the job day at school yeah. or like your parents come but to But do you remember the life board game, the job cards and you have like, I, I think artist is one and I think it's like $30,000 a oh, year. Sure, and then yeah. they're like, doctor, $100,000 a yeah. year. So like you're just, you have all these cues that are like, yeah. this is social cues. Right. Yeah. And also coming from not a lot of money, money is a driver at that point. Yeah. And you just go, I don't want to live my life anymore where I have in to worry about money. dusty house. <laughs> we'll talk about that in our ch- let's save that for the childhood, childhood. episode um my mom's gonna be so <laughs> fucking pissed <laughs> no because i think it was a known thing that, that was like the name for it i don't think your house was well, ever really no dirty. it wasn't yeah, and it was... my mom cleaned it a shit ton but like we had so many knickknacks in our yeah, house yeah, yeah, that yeah. just they, they they things get dusty <laughs> and you had a lot of people so all that dust is really just dead skin that's so gross it's just, babe it's just a truth i know but it's, it's, a, it's a, truth a truth that we as humans have agreed we do just not acknowledge when you're dusting you're like no it's just dust it's just it's dirt it's It's not human flesh that is dead from human flesh back to college so I at some point in college it became very clear to me though that I think it was during the chemistry classes and the biology classes and all these like super advanced calculus where I was like you know this whole school thing like I can do it but it's not what is fun for me so I took an intro to advertising class and that to me was like, ding, ding, ding. I can be successful and creative. It's like the perfect mix. And I really did fall in love with it, at least as it was taught to me. But then I just sort of switched to now can I, can I change my success like mindset to this? And so then I became very obsessed with working in New York on Madison Avenue, big agency, worldwide agency. You get caught up in all of that. Um, and I went to this internship my final summer before I graduated college and it was in New York and it was at an agency. I was one of six people chosen in the scholarship program and I effing hated it. 
Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. And I, I spent the whole summer going like, what is wrong with me? A bunch of my friends moved to New York for the summer to have these internships and they all seemed to be like thriving. And I was not. Faking it, it. They were faking it till they were making well, it. Well, I think some of them enjoyed it, but I, it was not for me. And I really had this sort of like identity reassessment where I had to go, okay, I have this idea of what I think I'm supposed to be city girl, successful, like, you know, walking the streets of New York. Like I have all my shit together. Is that together. what people do in New York? They're like, if you guys aren't seeing this, they're like, you got like a saunter that you this do This was in New York. me in the city. But, and I had to go, okay, I know that's what I think I want to be, but what actually am I? And I'm actually a very sensitive person. I'm a person who cannot handle the hustle and bustle. I don't like being swept away in the pace of what other people are doing. And New York is very much, you will get carried away. Oh, yeah. um, we both worked in New York. We both have an yeah. internship in New York. Sorry, which kind so of what fun. was your... Well, before that, I was going to ask you, um, did you want to go to college? Like mm -hmm. were, Because you went to the school full of magnets. In fact, I wanted to go to an Ivy League school. <clears throat> oh, I wanted man. to do like Yale, Harvard, like any of that stuff. I We didn't have enough money for the like entrance fees and also they were a long shot. So I couldn't just like apply to a bunch of Ivy leagues. Um, and I didn't have the money to go. So mm -hmm. my parents, I do not fault them for this, but this is how I went down growing up. It was very much a thing in our house where it was like, you can go to whatever school you want. Like we will find a way to pay for it. We will find a way to make it happen. And this was always the story that I had heard. So I just like worked really hard in school come, you know, junior year or whenever you start applying to colleges. And it was like about that whole, you can go anywhere you want thing. You can, but like, you'll just be in super, a whole ton of debt and we can't pay for it. And so I was like, okay, so I had to get practical. The only, I did apply, I know it's not an Ivy league, but my dad, I went to Duke Law School, so I applied to Duke. I was big. Duke isn't an Ivy League school, huh? It no, I think it's called a. It's not an Ivy League. That's I'm pretty funny. sure. I don't know. I just. Had it's, that. But it's a very good school, yeah. obviously. Um, I'm pretty sure. What well, Monica Padman? <laughs> Where are you? Fact check. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not. I got waitlisted there, um, but that was pretty much the only like really prestigious school that I applied to, and then I applied to. Which looking back, I'm like waitlisted. Like I had. I worked my tail off. Sorry. Anyway, Rita's job. Rita's. That was, that I know. But, um, university of Florida offered me a bunch of money because I was a national merit scholar to go there. And so I was like, and looking back, I am so freaking glad that I didn't go to an Ivy league school that I went to sort of a great academic, but also a public college because I had the quintessential college experience that I enjoyed immensely. Well, and you can imagine too, with what, what we've learned about you over the years of your craving of acceptance and achievement, like going to Duke and going to it that could have flipped school. me. Oh yeah. You could have been off the deep end, off the deep end yeah. forever. Like yeah. I really think that, and also the competitive nature that I have, I yeah. really think that I would have run myself into the ground and it would have been harder because I would have had more to lose. Like if you go to school like that and you get out and you have $200,000 or whatever in student loans, it would have been so hard for me to go, nope, not going to do advertising. Right. Nope, not going to do yeah. doctor. Like I would have just gone for it because I would have felt like I had to. But instead, I didn't feel like I was too far gone. And so after that New York internship, it became clear to me, like I still went into advertising, but I did not pursue the New York big kind of agency. I ended up as you know, working at an independent agency in Durham, North Carolina, which I didn't like that job, but I liked the place. I was going to say, so let's pause there. 
I'll yeah, come back and catch everybody it. up because um, we'll move forward from first job. Yeah. So I did not want to go to college. Yeah. Uh, I had gone to four high schools before college. I was really done with school. I just was tired of it. Also, just like I'm not learning anything. Like none of this is going to matter. Like geology and biology. We are so and different math. from school. I'm just like, what is I this love school. Do? I was like, this is so interesting. Like government class. Great. Awesome. We have these two parties. This is how it works. Cool. Can I move on? Like I, you're not teaching me anything. Like, yeah. I'm not going to apply this stuff in my life. Um, and so I, I actually, that was the same time. So I was old enough to, um, you know, get a computer when I was 14, having used it for multiple years through high school. So I taught myself HTML. I was making websites. I was like, had I stayed in that world, I probably would have been a part of some type of dot-com boom because even just those skills alone were in request at that time. And it was right around 2000. So it was I'm like interested in this. 90s. We've never talked about this. And I... Are we going to save it for childhood or is no, it No, no, no. Because I just am really interested. Like, Because I... I also grew up in the era of we got a family computer and but I'm I'm on instant messenger and I'm like Chat on AOL I'm not building anything. Well so here's the thing so when I first got a computer there was no instant messenger. There was no way to talk to other That's people except for chat rooms mm -hmm. except for IRC which for me IRC which is internet relay chat I think is what it stands for like I was a nerd, but that was almost too nerdy yeah. for me. Like I just couldn't get behind that. Like I, I actually sat in chat rooms. So like I would go in AOL chat rooms. Yep. That's how that's how we connected ASL. to the internet. Uh, you drop some ASLs ASL. constantly. I multiple times. Anyone who is be, old enough out there who oh, knows I, what ASL means, please comment below this video. Yeah, yeah. I pretended to be someone else multiple times. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. Just the original to, catfishing. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Um, I was just catfishing dudes Cat left and right. <laughs> <laughs> then come uh, to find out. No, seriously, like I think about like chat room activity of those early years, and I'm like, my mom, oh, yeah. like bless her heart, she'll yeah. never know. Like, it was danger zones. Yeah. This uh, is like before to like to catch a predator, but like it was the wild west and it was bad. So anyway, like you're hanging out in these chat rooms, and you just come to find that like it's so many nerdy people who yeah. you just don't have much to do. So it's like, all right, well I want to be on the internet, I want to do something, and it just it comes to like what else is there to do? Well, I could make something and then yeah. I can like publish it in some way. And so that's where, you know, I got Dreamweaver, which is like the very first HTML client. There was probably other ones, but that was the first one that was like, I could use. Mm -hmm. And of course I like pirated, I was, downloaded that was, it. It was an Adobe product, right? I actually don't think it was an Adobe product at, at the that time. time. I think it was, Maybe they I think it was it. Cold Fusion was the first one I got. That was like a whole separate one. But anyway, I think that so is interesting. That's the thing. Like, it wasn't accessible right. to like get on, chat with your friends, and then waste all this time. It was like I could go in a chat room and I could waste a lot of time there. But then I was just kind of bored, and, yeah. I, and I just wanted to just do something were, else. Were you going to like websites at the time? No, like literally there, there were no websites. websites. Okay. So like I remember logging into AOL. Yeah. Steve Case would tell me that I had mail. Now, first off, we should probably preface this with it. I remember logging into AOL and then. 12 minutes later getting online because you had you played the beep beep yeah. boop, boop game yeah so like the modem would take forever to forever. dial up um but yeah i remember getting online checking my like two pieces of email one was probably something from aol and yep. then one was probably something from my mom mm -hmm. um like telling me to get off the computer and chain, then, or chain emails before yeah this. and then there it was like you could go into chat rooms so you could like search different chat rooms you could read the news and then that was about it. Then you're there. Like stocks and weather, right? Right, right, right. I check. think that's so interesting that that is probably the difference is that you were early enough that it was like, if you want this, you have all this, like this new ability, but it's like, you have to do something with it. By the time I came around, it was like, people have already done stuff oh, with yeah. it, you know? So and I remember when instant messenger like came around, 
I mean, all my time went away. Yeah. Because then it was like, I could talk to all these people all yeah. over the world. Like people that I met in these chat rooms, then we became friends on Instant Messenger. And then you're just literally chatting all day and you're distracting yourself. It's really funny how that was like the early social media because you would get on, you would leave messages, you would do these things. It was 100% the early social media. Absolutely. I miss it. Like and I you, wish. You cared about what people thought even when you weren't there, which is the interesting, like right. the status messages. Right. You'd write like crafty ones. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I but, remember, wait, can I tell a funny side story? Sure. One time I wrote as my away message something like, and this this is like before what emojis. Was your, what was your? Uh, oh, um, I had a name. few. Um, <laughs> had a few. Hazel Baby eight six. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But um, did you want to know mine or no? Yeah, what was yours? Original. I know what yours is. No original. I don't think you know the original. Do oh you? no. Original was Cheetah Boy. I think thirteen or fourteen because that's how old I Why was. Why Cheetah? You just liked it. Oh, I love big cats. <laughs> Love big cats. Real big cat Love guy. Big cats. But also, like, why boy? Like, see, I came of age in the time where it was becoming because these are the jokes I was making about the chat rooms. It was becoming super sexualized because it was yeah. like middle school. So I remember I had one that was like Hazel Fox. Oh X, yeah. It was three X's. Ooh, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh, I need to be sexy. But like my my poor mother was probably like, what is happening? Which leads me into my story, which is I had an away message that said like hopping in the shower, and it was like a. They had like little animated emojis kind of things. Do you remember this? Uh, like very, little pictures yeah. that would move. And it was like the towel or whatever. And, and I had it up on our family computer. And my mom was like, what is this? Yeah, I was like 13. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I just want people to know I was on the shower. <laughs> She's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. And we're not doing this. Yeah. And it, that was probably a very dangerous Your time to be a parent. Your you from being in porn. Yes. Really, so my mom steered me back on the. You were going down a porn track. Exactly. Like, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Anyway, um, I just think that's an interesting aside, and I'm curious if anyone that is around my age had that experience. Yeah. So anyway, uh, high school did want to go to college. Then my mom just kept telling me like she didn't go to college, mm -hmm. or she did for a little while and then stopped. And she was like, I just think you need to just go. Important. You need something to fall back on. You know, don't kind of take the path that I did, like get a degree so you have something to use. And I love my mom. So I was like, all right, I'll do this. And so at the time throughout high school, I had followed the art path. So I had taken a lot of art classes. They were the few classes where I actually felt like this is worthwhile. And in the meantime, at night, I'm building websites. I'm learning yeah. how to code. I'm learning how to design in Photoshop, like the very first version of Photoshop. The reason I think this is interesting is that I don't think even people who maybe have been following us for a while know how much how much of an artist you were as a young kid. Oh yeah. I mean like you don't share that a whole ton. Like he's more talented than I am. Like the funny part is that I'm like the quote well, unquote maybe, artist. Maybe from like a uh technical what's the word? yeah like technical standpoint. Yeah. Like I could draw this microphone on this piece of paper and it would look pretty damn close. Yeah. Or you can draw, which I've always been jealous of because I, I also mind. can just draw this microphone, but you can draw it from your mind. Yeah. So you can like pose in like a person in your head and like draw a caricature of what that person would yeah. look like. And then, and uh, yeah, I mean let's be honest, like I'm not competing or comparing myself to like really good artists, but like no, I can saying, do it and you could see and be like, oh that's a that's a guy yeah. and his arm is like I think this that speaks to imagine imagination because sure. I don't have like a whole ton of like pictures that are always in my head and like that like I'm I feel like I very much am more from like my feelings and stuff like that but you I feel like have a very rich and active imagination oh, yeah, very vivid imagination and I remember even in some of those art classes like I remember a specific teacher where we were doing something maybe it was like still life studies and I was just so bored because I'm like what does like, what I'm so bored. an apple and like, like I would draw a... something weird on like a dragon or whatever and she's like <laughs> don't do that that's not going to help you get a career in art and I'm like, yeah. Have you seen Mulan? I don't want to draw still life for a living. Yeah. No. Um, so anyway, I had these skills as an artist. I liked art. I liked doing stuff online. 
design. So I was like, I'm going to get a degree in design in some respects. And at that time it was just like arts and sciences was the degree. Um, and so, <laughs> so funny. I know like I arts went and sciences, I, I applied to schools only in California and Florida currently living in New Jersey because I did not want to stay girls or sunshine blonde and beach. That's what I was going for. Blonde and beach. Not a lot of blonde girls, re especially real blonde girls in New Jersey. I just had a flashback to an episode of like Saved by the Bell, the college years or yeah. something where they were yeah. talking about like, this that's is why I, we went to this that's college. That's where I wanted to yeah. be. Yeah. I wanted to date Zach Morris. <laughs> yeah, I get it. We all did. Um, but only during the season when he was working the summer job. What about the long hair? No, no the summer, summer job, job where his hair was like nice yeah, yeah, and yeah. tall with, yeah. with, um, uh, Stacy Karosi. 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 Yeah. Stacy Karosi. Awesome. Good job. Uh, that was a good teamwork for everybody there. <laughs> anyway, so yes, I uh, applied to like three schools. Uh, I think I got into one, which is in Jacksonville, Florida, and went down and visited. It was close enough to the beach. Looking back now, like it wasn't close to the beach at all. <laughs> it's pretty close. I mean, it's close it's enough. Like relatively. From where I lived, like I was so far from hey, the train. beach. Hello, train. And, and it the was band. just. Yeah, that's our, that's our peanut gallery. Like, whoa, beach, yeah, we love it. Uh, so yeah, I ended up going to school and I just, I, I will never forget going to classes and thinking like, college is gonna be so different. Like, I'm not gonna have to learn all this bullshit and I'm gonna, and I get into even an art class and it was like, Professor uh, Ben Stein. Like, if you picture like him, that actor, like it was just him. And yeah. It was so boring. Bueller. Bueller. And I, I just was like, what am I like getting into? And it was a private school, it was a small school, and I just was like, I just so want to be done with this. And so I actually moved out of that school to the public school, University of North Florida, and I literally skated my way through school. I barely went to class. I showed up on test days. Uh, I literally taught a class on flash animation. Like mm -hmm. I went into it going, I'm going to learn flash animation, even though I'd been teaching it myself like for, for years. Mm -hmm. And the teacher was Didn't learning things for me. Like he knew how to use it. Like he clearly right. had read a book. Someone had given a book on right. flash and like, here's a keyframe. Here's this. And I'm like, I can animate like a whole thing. And so like, I literally on some days would present to the class Yeah, and it was just like a ridiculous thing. And, and so, yeah, I just skated through college as fast as I possibly could and just tried to get out and not. I do get it. I think us. it's also interesting though, because though we both went to public colleges in Florida, we both approach them from like such different places. And UNF is very different than UF. UF is the whole town is the college right. town versus UNF, which is UNF you just is, are yeah, in yeah. this city that is so many other things other than a college town. It's more town. a commuter school. It's a commuter school. Yeah, so exactly. you do have dorms. I think even now, like many years later, they have a much more rich like environment there. And maybe there's a little bit more of the big town center that's there now. Like there's more of that there. Right. Uh, but yeah, you're totally right. Like had I gone to like a college town, but I, I actually wonder too, like you going to Duke, becoming an overachiever. Like if I would have gone to a more college town, right. would it have just made me like, I don't know, even like fit more into the, right, I mean, like, the, the answer is no, but <laughs> it's, yeah, I guess we can't, we can't really know. So I get yeah. what you're saying there. Um, but I think that is another reason why we have different views on college because I, I feel like I, put more into it. So I got more out of it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I put absolutely nothing into it because I was going to get nothing out of <laughs> yeah. it. And I totally think that it yeah. literally played out the exact way that I would have thought. Like mm -hmm. I remember going to guidance counselors at university of North Florida. Cause it was like mandatory to go to like ch choose your classes. Yeah. And they're like, where are you applying yourself? I'm like, none of this matters. <laughs> and, and I can't and they, <laughs> emphasize I, this enough. I just remember them being so perplexed on what to do with me. And I, I think know. that's been a recurring theme for the education life. system for my entire life, which is 
probably like some mental issues for me, but also like I remember my mom, like me as a kid, like just like these teachers don't know what to do. And I think it's because our education system and we'll probably go way into that on a whole separate episode, but it's like, they're not set up for the kids that are super imaginative, super creative. Yeah. Um, well, not think- to mention like authority is just a construct. Oh. And so they don't know what to do when that gets questioned. Cause they're like, well, I don't really know why I have power, but somebody told me right. I do. And so you're questioning it. And now it makes me feel weird. Yeah. So, uh, I got, I had a couple jobs throughout college. It's funny to look back. Like I never really thought I had jobs throughout college, but I had a job pretty much always. every year Same. and always throughout college. Yeah. But, uh, I got a job at athlete's foot, which I don't think is in business anymore, but is a shoe store. Oh, I remember athlete's foot. Um, and I want to move this table. Where are you going? Well, I just need to unstretch my leg. You going somewhere? You just moving stuff. Um, but yeah, athlete's foot. And that, that was funny because that job for me was, could I make more money than I spent in the store? Because I was very into basketball at the time. I started yeah. playing basketball. I was playing a little bit at the school. It was just sort of a net. And it was a net net for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Like they would give me a check and I would hand it right back. Yeah. Uh, and I was just buying. I think a lot of retail people yeah. at that age can relate to that. Yeah. But then, so like I was tired of working those types of jobs and I was like, let me get a job in the thing that I'm doing. And so I got a job at one of the first internet coffee companies ever. And this was 2000. Like an e-commerce job. company. Absolutely. They were literally, you buy coffee online, they would ship it. And my job as like a, uh, intern designer who was paid was to Photoshop the cellophane yeah. so that it looked clearer. I think we talked about this on the yeah. entrepreneurial journey. So great. So good. So good. So uh, I actually got fired from that job hey, for my incompetent ability to not, <laughs> which is hilarious because I was the best designer yeah. there by far, but, they, were but like, they just were an internet coffee company in 2000 and they were going bust yeah. and it just wasn't working. Too early. And it really was too early. Like yeah. it, I, I can't even, I wish I could go back and look at that website. Number one, look at how they transact, like how they took credit card transactions. Yeah. Cause I bet knowing what I remember early on, it was so expensive to, to do have a what they did account, right. which means to be able to process credit cards on the internet before there's like a before third party a yeah, stripe PayPal. or a paypal i mean that's literally why paypal was exist- right, it right. has existed or was created was to make it more ubiquitous for companies and you people. paved the way for elon is what i, mean, I really think you should I, know. I paved the way for him i i created apple i pretty much like <laughs> bill gates and my bro like my bro. yeah no i didn't do any bill of those my bro. um speaking of too early I don't want to jump to this yet, but I just am saying it so we don't forget it. Jump I it. I want to eventually talk about whether you thought I were sure it was too early. Oh, okay, sure. But anyway, we so, got to get there first. Yeah, let's. Uh, and I so don't want to reiterate too much because I think that catches us both up. So you just got your first job, which was at McKinney, which is an yep. agency in North Carolina. I'll take my first job, which was at the ATP, which is men's professional tennis. It's like the NBA or NFL of tennis. Uh, three minutes from where I lived in Florida, you moved six hours, eight hours away, however far it was. From where to where? From Florida to North Carolina. Oh, I have no idea. I think it was like eight hours. Sure. Um, which is really interesting. Like, the, like I'm the one who moved around a ton, but yet I stayed, and then you were the one who well, never really moved, and you moved. I was chasing a boy. Oh. You remember that's this. That's right, at Panera. Yeah. I was chasing a boy. So <laughs> here's an interesting aside to this story, um, because I think it's pertinent, because it's our origin so wh- story. Where did, yeah, where did we meet in that process? Okay, in that you process. You were at Florida. post NYC internship where I hate it. It's my last year at Florida and I am president of the ad society because obviously I'm chasing down success and I have to be the best at everything. So I'm the president advertising society, advertising society. And part of my role there, actually not even part of my role, but we had speakers that come and talk to the groups. You know, we met every two weeks or whatever. And our speakers person, um, 
something happened where a speaker fell through. The reason I include this detail is because I think it's so funny how life works out where I wasn't even supposed to be the person to get speakers, but suddenly it was on my shoulders, which is the only reason I found you. I reached out to a girl that had graduated a year earlier and said, hey, I'm desperate, desperate for speakers. Do you know anybody? And she said she was living in Jacksonville at the time, um, which is about an hour and a half away from college. And she said, I just saw this guy speak here locally. And he's super interesting, really engaging, really funny. He has this weird company called I Wear Your Shirt, where he wears T-shirts for companies and promotes them on social media. And I thought, that's pretty cool, innovative advertising thing. That would be a great talk. So I reached out to you via Twitter to try and desperately asked you to come speak to us. You said, couldn't possibly make it on such short notice, but I, I could Skype in for this X amount of money. It was like 500 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like you say that now, which of course with further like perspective, I'm like, that's such a measly amount of money for like a speaker. I, at the time was like, this guy <laughs> thinks he's going to ask this small student club to pay $500. Anyway, talked you down on your price. In the DMs, I slid into your DMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had some witty banter, I think. Yeah. But the curveball then is at the time I'm dating a guy for about a year, very much like thought this could be my forever person. Um, he was going to law school in North Carolina, thought that that was going to be my life. That I really saved the day. <laughs> It's just so funny to think like he's a fantastic person, but it, I would have been a different person in that path of life yeah. um, and not the person that I am now who I think is the truer version of who I am. So the long story short is you and I, you, you came to the talk. It was great. Via Skype. Via Skype. Yeah. It was great. We immediately, I think, hit it off in terms of sense of humor, which people can probably see now that that was, no, no not you too. And so we stayed friends and we stayed in touch. And I remember after that meeting, after you did the Skype meeting, what do you think? There's like a, Just some staplers. You no, know, there's like a crow that like, <laughs> like is squawking outside. No, the there's somebody sorry. with a nail gun. Who's? Do you hear that? Oh, also? I thought it was like a bird. Uh, anyway, sorry. Sorry, um, guys. Sorry, sorry. Guys. we're okay. Don't worry. It's just real life. You're yeah. here with us. Um, but the also important detail is that you at the time said you were doing this initiative and a nonprofit, a nonprofit that you were trying to start. And right after that meeting, something in me was like you need to just like stay in touch with this person. You need to, he's very innovative. It Handsome, was also like, very brooding. I think it was a little bit of that, but it was also like, you were so different and you were so, I keep using the word innovative, but you just, you thought differently. Go on. And you can use any other words you want. And here I was, I just fresh off of this experience in New York where I was like, I can't do the thing that I think I'm supposed to do anymore. And something in me was just like, you need to stay connected to this person. And I think maybe some of you guys out there might relate to this where you see someone speak or you meet a person and you're like something about their energy like speaks to who you really are. And my advice is pursue that and like try to stay connected to that person because you don't never know where it could take you. So after that meeting, I wrote you an email and I was like, whatever you need help with, I will, well, I will do it. So it's like, I just want to be involved in some way. And as like a little college student and you were this like, professional businessman it felt very vulnerable to be like also professional businessman who wore t-shirts yeah you know but like you were older and you were like had your shit together there was a lot of like there was a lot of uh, things in motion for every shirt at that time like it was in the news a lot it was like the trajectory was almost at its peak for the popularity and i was like can i ride your coattails all the way to a better life at that point they were super long Uh, and well i think it's interesting at that time just to like fill a little bit of a gap there is that at that time, 
I had already worked for three and a half years in the nine to five world. Yeah. So I had worked at the ATP. I had been a designer. I had seen what the corporate ladder looked like, especially for a creative person. And I was like, first of all, I hate regular ladders. I want to throw this corporate ladder out the window. But I did have a really great boss. And, mm-hmm. I, and the working environment at that place was was solid. Yeah. Uh, the thing that wasn't solid was like this beige existence that yeah. I lived in. And I, I've talked about this on so many things, but I just love saying it because I think it's such a fun visual. It's like beige desk chair, beige desk beige walls, beige computer screen, beige desktop. Literally everything was beige. I think even the carpet was beige. Like it, it just like you walked into it's this. It's not even grayish, which is the new beige. Gray. It wasn't even like modern, clean gray. It was just bleh. And I remember being there and just like feeling like my soul was being sucked out of me. But I had slogged through years of college. I had let this creative kind of energy leave. I had let like the drive to do my own thing where I thought I was going to do that when I was like building websites on the internet and things. And I just accepted like, oh, well, this is what life is like as, as an adult. And you talked about that a couple minutes ago when it's like eventually people talk you out of it or people say things to you and you don't even think that you can do things anymore. And yeah. I remember getting stuck in that place and then feeling like I was never going to get out and being very fortunate that I had this boss where we would have long conversations and I just remember like going to his desk, going to his office, shutting the door and we would talk about work stuff for like two minutes and he'd be like, all right, what are you going to do after this? Like yeah. you can't stay here. This is not for you. That's amazing. And it was amazing. It like, I give Phil so much credit. Like it was just so uh, empowering to have yeah. somebody. And he, it wasn't even like he had any idea for me. He didn't have any next steps. And it took years for me to finally figure out what to do with all those conversations and then make a move out of there yeah. um, to finally then like start my own thing and do that. But, um, I just wanted to fill that gap. So yeah. like you were, uh, you hadn't started working your job yet. I had already worked my job, then moved on to entrepreneurial stuff, which we can talk about that transition too. Uh, but then this is kind of where we are as you finished college and then went to your first job. Right. And so what was interesting about that is you had already started I Rear Shirt. And I struggle with like talking too, too much about it because I do think we touched on it in the episode about our entrepreneurial kind of taking risks and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I do want to get more into what the actual experience was like um, that has led us to here. But anyway, so I, we did sort of work together on that nonprofit thing that didn't end up panning out. <laughs> didn't go, didn't, <laughs> didn't go, go over well. well. Uh, we'll, we'll a, talk about a story that. for another day. Yeah, yeah for sure. That'll um, be a fun one. I'm actually like really excited to talk about that because yeah. I haven't talked about it in years. So. Yeah. I know. So it'd be fun to kind of explore that, but it became very clear to me over the course of us building a friendship in over, I think it was like a couple months. It was like right coming up to when I was graduating and it became started to become more clear to me that um, I had like a crush on you. Ooh, ooh, hold on. I was just going to say cue the romance music. Can you edit that in? I mean, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> if, you, if you feel like it, when you're editing yeah. this dream sequence, in. dream sequence, but I, and I don't talk about this a lot because it is not a highlight of my life at all in terms oh, of yeah, it was messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super messy because I'm in a relationship with a person who I love um, at that point. You know, not now me. I understand not, not you. Yeah. In another relationship. You name them? No, I do <laughs> Just not. Kidding. No, I do not. <laughs> who is a great person. And, but at the same time, I feel these feelings for you that are different than any feelings I've had before. Also, you were in a relationship at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, ooh, this is not good. Mine was for four years. Yeah. Yours was one year, right? Yeah. 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 And so it was kind of one of these like, oh no type of things. Um, meanwhile, though, I think at that point I'm still kind of fighting the feelings because I'm like, you're in a relationship. I'm in a relationship. This is never going to work out. It's fine. It's a crush. It'll go away kind of thing. And I'm, I'm, uh, I almost said auditioning, interviewing, interviewing for jobs at that point. 
and looking for agencies that are still very reputable, but also more independent, not the big city New York agencies that, you know, I had thought about. So I found this great agency, McKinney, and I wanted to say it was similar to your thing where it's like, I ended up hating the job itself, the things I was doing day in and day out, but I loved going to that office. Yeah. I it was loved, a cool office. It was a super cool office. Especially for someone like me where I had worked in a nine to five office. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I was in the creative world, so I knew it was what not agencies beige. were, like I knew all this stuff, like it was such an awesome office. Yeah. It was like an old renovated tobacco factory and it had like beautifully designed the kind of the quintessential like ping pong tables and Oh, so much events, of the like, yeah, like, and, like Silicon Valley office of what Very you Silicon imagine. Valley, like, like work wherever you want, yeah. work at the coffee bar, like all these amenities. But I think that's important to note because you find yourself in this job and you in this cool place with these cool people doing these cool things. And you're like, I should like this. But even then, if you don't, you don't. If it's not for you, it's not for you. And I saw that very, very early on. Um, But here's where it gets kind of tricky. Interviewed for the job, got the job, they're like, you're going to start on June 1st. Okay. So I, I interviewed probably early May, right after graduation. They're like, you got the job. It's in the same city basically as this guy that I'm dating in college. I'm moving there to be in the city because we had done long distance for a year. I'm going to start my new life. He's going to go to law school. I'm going to go to the ad agency. My life is perfect. We're going to get married. It's going to be great. Curveball. May, May happens. I realize all these feelings I have for you. I I'm now back in Jacksonville because that's where I live. You live in Jacksonville. After college. After college. We have lunch a few times. And now this- Sparks are flying. This crush that I thought was going to go away is like- Sparks are- Pium, 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 pium. Love spark, love spark, love spark. spark. (laughs) (laughs) Again, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you're missing all the great things. (laughs) And I was really distraught for that entire month because I was just like, what do I do? All signs, all signs (laughs) are pointing to- You have this whole path laid out for you ahead of you. You've already decided you have this job in a whole nother state. You have this relationship that you are happy in, but there's this other big question mark that's like... Pretty big question mark. Because love sparks. Because love sparks and also just physical question mark. Large. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Large question mark. Pretty big question mark. Pretty big question mark. Six, five. Yeah, it's big. It's a big question mark. (laughs) And finally, I just... I think at that point, I just had to do a lot of self-reflection and it became very clear to me that... No matter what, I I felt something with you that I had never felt in previous relationships and that I didn't feel in my current relationship. And so I just thought to myself, like, knowing that that existed now, like, it was like you see with new glasses, you know what I mean? Like, knowing that the, this whole world of a different type of connection existed, I was like, I can't go back to my previous relationship because I will just be unhappy. So in my mind, it was like, regardless of if you were going to break up with your girlfriend, regardless of of if we were going to be together, this new idea of love existed. And so I needed to... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right to the L word, huh? Well, now I know it was love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like... Love sparks. Love sparks. Love sparks. So I was like, I know this exists. So, So I was like, I know what I have to do. It's not fair to this other person to like live this lie, basically. So I, I broke up with him. And I remember... I don't know if you remember this as vividly, but I called you and I was like, I broke up with name. I'm not asking you to break up with your girlfriend name. Ooh, same letter. Ooh, you get to catch ooh, that. Ooh, ooh. Um, I'm not asking you to break up with her. I just, and I'm not like expecting anything. I'm just letting you know that this is, because at that point you and I had very much danced around it, but we had acknowledged that there was this like thing that we had. 
Um, which again, yeah, you're, it was very messy and muddy because I know that that means that I was in a relationship while also sending you signals that I, you're sending me love sparks, love sparks. And that is not a thing that I recommend to anyone, but it's also not who we are. Like I think, well, it's not, I think for some people it's a lot easier to not be unfaithful, but it's more like to, to see other opportunities in relationships. Right. And I don't think that that That's doesn't come naturally us. for us at all. Which is why I think it was as powerful as it was. Right. Cause you and I were both like, we don't just like, I, when I'm, when, when I'm with you, when I'm with any person, I don't see other people. Like I don't, I'm, I'm not naturally attracted to other people. So that was Unless like, it's like a really fit woman. Yeah. For you. Yeah. No, no, no. That's my type. Yeah. 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 If she's got that, those shoulder Shoulders, muscles, I'm shoulders, like, yeah. damn, can I get that number? Um, <laughs> but that's okay. That's yeah. territory we can deal with. Um, but for, so yeah, that's why it, it, Well, I was going to say, can I tell my side yeah, of that? I like, would love to hear your side of the so story. So I think what's really interesting, cause we, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, over the years, but we've never sat down and talked about like leading all the way up to it and all these things. So I remember I did the talk at UF, um, the Skype sesh. Um, that's also where I met Burton Homan, the orange shirt guy, which was really Way fun. Way to give Bert a shout uh, out. Because Bert's awesome. He was an intern for Iowa Shirt. He was just such a good kid. Um, well, he's a man now. But I, Well, for sure. He, that's why I say he was a good <laughs> was kid. Was a good yeah, kid. Yeah, now he's a man. Uh, but I remember one of my first uh, things, and I said this on when Still Motion came and did the little short film on, on me and slash us, uh, but that like when you popped on Skype, because it was the first time I'd seen your face, not in just a little avatar. Like, oh. I was like, wow, she's really pretty. Ooh, the and old it, avatar to the full screen experience. But it was like, your face was also too close to the screen. <laughs> so it was also a little bit endearing. And like, you were comfortable enough with yourself. Like, yeah. you didn't care. Yeah. And the person that I was dating at the time wasn't necessarily like that. And and so I just remember, also in our first conversations, like, there was so much more humor. There was so much more of a connection there. And I'd never really had that in a relationship before. And humor was always something that I just came naturally too. Like I was always the jokester in the family. Like I always broke tension with humor and I just, you know, grew up loving all like comedies and things like that. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, you know, that was like my first little love spark that I had. I was like, Pyong! like, Whoa, that's interesting. Hadn't felt that way. Um, and, Head tilt. <laughs> and I had been in this relationship for four years and I was very much like mid twenties at the time. My girlfriend at the time was in college. Like I was going to visit her in college and I just, it wasn't that I didn't see us being together forever, but it was almost like the same thing with the job where it's like, well, this is it, I guess, you know, like yeah. she's a great person, super nice person, but it was like, I just like, there's not, and I think from both sides, like, I think actually she would even probably say the same thing. Like I was just too different for her. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I made her uncomfortable when I reassured stuff started. She just really didn't like it. It didn't really resonate with mm -hmm. her. Um, so, you know, these things are happening. This phone call comes when you told me that you broke up with your person. And I just remember thinking like, shit, I should break up my person now too. Well, that's not what you said. No, for if sure. If you thought that no. you, you, I remember so distinctly, you said, well, I hope you don't expect me to break up with oh, absolutely. insert name because I'm not going to, and, and I actually respect you so much for this. You said, because I'm not just going to throw away a three and a half year, four year relationship, like over this. Right. And, um, it was really hard to hear, but in a weird way, like I respected it. I was like, well, I'm actually kind of glad that you aren't just going to like dump yeah. this relationship that you've had and that you're going to really sort through your feelings. But again, from my side at that point, I was so resigned that it was like, if it wasn't you, I was going to go find that feeling somewhere else because now I knew it existed. Yeah. So anyway, that's my interaction. And even in between that call in May and like the conversations before that, like I remember you calling me, like I would travel and go do things. And, like I distinctly remember being in a hotel in Chicago and I think you were interviewing for the yeah, job. I was calling you for 
advice. advice. Yeah, yeah. And I was giving the older of, mentor. I was giving lots of advice on the call. <laughs> yeah. uh, airplane quotes all over the place here. I'm saying watching. advice like it's, and now I'm realizing but it really that was. it. It was. Yeah. Now I'm realizing that it could be like viewed like I am saying advice, but like we were having some sort of like sexy call. It oh, was yeah, not it that. Was it was not. for real. It advice. actually was advice. Yeah. Yeah. But it was funny and it was fun. Yeah. And, and we personal. enjoyed and we both didn't want to get off the phone. I remember that yeah. too. Um, so I remember that. And then I remember um, going to Denver and I was staying oh, in yeah. a place and that was actually like for the nonprofit that I was starting. And I remember we stayed on the phone for like hours into the night. Yeah. Um, and I was actually like sharing a room with someone and like trying to be quiet on the and phone. And like you are not a stay up on the phone with a girl type of guy. I'm not Even a being your wife now, you're yeah. not that guy. No. I mean, especially not now. Don't call At me. At one point, I think we were talking about presidents like we were just were exploring yeah. like really we were talking about like our childhoods and we found yeah. out like all these alignments with our childhoods and all these different things and but like and, we we definitely ran out of things to talk about but didn't oh, want to yeah. get off the phone that's and, my favorite part about and it and all of these things for me were just these little like oh my gosh like this feels different to me this feels like you know not even just butterflies of a new relationship like this feels like a deeper connection with someone that I haven't had and I think truth being told it's just hard to have that when you're in a relationship in college like, yeah. I think it's really hard for two people in college to understand who they are, what they like, what they're doing. So because I was years removed from college and you were in college, you were like an old soul. And so I think we just like had this, this alignment. And so anyway, yeah, you call me in May. I, in my thoughts, I'm like, well, I got to break up with my girlfriend now too, because like I see the potential of this. And I remember hanging up the phone and, you know, probably having these conflicting thoughts of what I told you, but what I thought, and then just going like, I got to do it. And then breaking up with my girlfriend, which was... I realized at that point, like this is one of those moments where I realized I'm a good person and that I did care because even though I don't think the way that we, especially like me, handled the relationship, the ending of the relationship with my girlfriend, like I was so upset that I had to make her feel bad. Yeah, totally. Like I just, I, I remember I was like, I cried after telling her, like she left, like I felt bad. I went to the beach and like sat by myself and was like weeping on the sand by the ocean and just being like, why did I do this to her? You know, like that type of thing because I, I just genuinely felt Same. bad. I, it's still one of the things that like I... It's hard to say regret, but in my life, I am regretful of how it unfolded because I know that it hurt so badly for that person. But is there a better way it could have happened? Like, I don't, that's what I think about. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, that I think is the paradox of like living your truth and living your life as, as I would say your most vibrant life. But it's like, you are going to have to have really hard conversations. Yeah. You are going to have to make choices that you don't want to make. You're not going to do it right all the time, but ultimately like what was I going to do? Live an entire life well, not to of, hurt a person's that's feelings. That's what a lot of people do, unfortunately. I know. And yeah. I, and you and I are so right for each other. And we met at the shittiest time, but like we both, I am so glad had the wherewithal to go through what we had to go through in order to be together. Well, and I think even going back, not to cut you off, this also is a testament to our mothers who yeah. they got out of relationships, whether it took them a long time, whether it wasn't a great circumstance or whatever, but like they didn't stay and force a relationship forever that they didn't want to actually right. be in. And so I think we both had that. And so, you know, even I never I thought about that, but you and I both, we don't have models of parents who are, we're just sticking it out. out. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I you know, even my grandmother, like, you know, mm -hmm. there was, she had a second husband who was my grandfather and he had a wife that I didn't even know about, uh, <laughs> you know, like they You're told like, me, but wait I, a second. I, yeah. Like I I found this out many years later. I also found that out at a dinner table yeah, conversation that no I didn't idea. know. Yeah. Anyway, so this is like the super long detailed version of, of how kind of we came together. No, and, I, I'm oh, going to keep going. Yeah, yeah, I want to finish it, yeah, yeah, finish I it? Finish okay, it out. Sorry. So then, so, so I, 
I tell you. Oh, that was a little bit of a cliffhanger, wasn't it? Sorry. Sorry, everybody at so home. So I, I tell apologize. you and you're like, well, I hope you don't expect me to just, you know, break up with my girlfriend. And then I'll never forget. So I'm like, shit. Actually, in my head, I'm thinking back. In my head, I thought he's going to, but he's not going to do it right away. I went to dinner with Matt and brother? my brother, Matt. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You gotta, guys. You like, <laughs> sorry. I was thinking uh, it is his girlfriend at the time. Damon? Or? And we went to dinner and I got saw you called on my phone and we had already eaten dinner. And so I was like, I'm going to step outside to take this, you guys. And I was in the parking lot of this restaurant. Do and you have you, a flip phone at the time, by the way? Yes. Do you remember? Yes. Nice. And you were like, I did it. I broke over there. And it was like a couple hours later after. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Cool. So we're doing this then. Um, it would have been funnier if you'd been like, "Cool. Good luck, man." Cool. <laughs> no, I decided to get back with. <laughs> but anyway, so um, at that point, I was leaving for North Carolina, the job that I had chosen for the now ex-boyfriend in a few days, and so we had our first date the next day. So where was uh, our first date? Do you remember? Yeah, the I don't remember the vigilant. No, 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 that's here. But the the Italian place by your house. Was that our first date? Yes. Are you really? kidding me? What did you think our first date was? I thought our first date. You're going to say Angie's. Yeah. No, we weren't dating. Oh. That was just that a friend date. That felt like date. the first date. Angie's was a like super local surf shop, sub shop type No, place. that was when we got lunch when we were still with our people. And that was oh, when we were both like. Scandalous. Don't do that. So um, our first date, our first date was, date was Pepe's? Is that no, what it was no, called? No, 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 no. The, the Italian place by your house. The one in by the ABC Liquor. <laughs> <laughs> What's that place called? Oh, Cafe on the Amo. Cafe on the Amo. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. See, I never think of that Which place is kind of fancy. Place, by the way. Like, oh. I don't know why. Andiamo is an Italian I word. Totally <laughs> Agriturismo. I get it. Like, I'm fluent in Italian. I'm a very Italian person. I became Italian last also, year. Are you sure it's Andiamo? Because Andiamo yeah. in Italian means let's go. Yeah, it's Cafe on the Amo. Yeah. Cafe, let's go. Cafe, let's go. <laughs> uh, now, okay. I, now I do remember So that, that was the yeah, next day. Okay, that was the day it. after. We went to dinner and it was great. And then I was like, well, what are we going to do? Because in a couple days I'm leaving to go to North Carolina and we did long distance for six months and your the mom your mom moved you my mom moved me she drove me up and I will also never forget that the first weekend that I was in Durham by myself for the first time my mom had left you flew up to see me and you stayed with me I was just rich you were so rich but also I had just like it was such a confirmation of okay I've done this whole thing I've basically blown up my whole life and I'm now living in the same city as this guy that's now my ex-boyfriend and I feel terrible and it's awful. And I want to give, like, I really did want to give that relationship the time and respect it deserved. But at the same time, like the connection that we had was so... Love Sparks. Love Sparks. You can't fight the Love Sparks. If you get Love Sparks, you can't fight them. And you flew to come see me that first weekend. And I was like, oh my God, I think this can actually work. And it did. Yeah. Yeah. And I slept in that roach-infested place that you rented. It was and so I bad. took a shower in, in that, that horrible ew. bathroom. This is a clawfoot tub. I'm going to describe this for everybody at home. This is a clawfoot tub. Imagine that, white, old. Uh, it was basically a circle. It wasn't even rectangular. It was like a circle. It was butted up against the wall. It wasn't circle because, remember, you, your shoulders no, I couldn't know. fit. I know. Oh, I guess it wasn't circle. I, You're right. Okay, so it's fine. It was a regular clawfoot tub. Uh, butted up against a wall, not like a shower wall, just a wall with drywall. Wall. There's a shower spigot sticking out of the drywall that yeah. pointed over the tub. And then there's just a circle on, of plastic. Yeah, on the long side. So the on spigot the is not yeah. coming towards not the, the front, front of the tub. It's just on one of the sides. So the you, plastic is encircling yeah. a shower so curtain. I get in. 
And in no way can I stand where plastic is not touching, touching you. Even if I stood sideways, it would touch my back. And the water pressure is awful, so it's just spitting at your chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. so bad. That was such a great place. Anyway. Really, the romance was set. I know. The bar was high. But, okay, so that brings us to us getting together. Yeah. At that point, we're doing long distance. You're, you're coming to fly and see me when you can. I'm going to fly and see you when you do, like, fun speaking gig things. Um, I think the combination of me hating what I was doing at my job, but also the long distance, I'm sure had something to do with it. And I just was so unhappy. Yeah. I remember having conversations with you where like you were just crying on your way home from work yeah. just because you were so miserable. And you're like, is this what I'm going to be stuck doing forever? Like, this is what I dreamed of doing. And I'm literally in spreadsheets again, like when I was 12 in that sweatshop that I was working in. It was in. that. And it was also like the, the pressure of it. Like I, at one point by the end of that job, I'm six months, months into this job. I'm 21 years old and there's this weird project for one of our clients that nobody wanted to take on so they had me media planning a $250,000 budget which was nothing compared to which I'm sure is why they're like give it to the new girl but as a person coming straight out of college not knowing what you're doing not even having enough time on the job to feel competent then I'm having client calls with these like heads of I'm not gonna name the client a very very big company and I'm trying to convince them of why I've planned their $250,000 in the way that I have. It was not even a sink or swim situation. It was a doomed to sink situation. Yeah. And I sink hated or, the pressure. Sink or sink. Sink or sink. Well, I mean, the irony of it is like I did fine, like yeah. obviously, but it felt like I was sinking because I'm an overachiever. Yeah. But I hated that pressure and I hated not being with you and I hated that I didn't feel creative. It was also really hard to be at such a creative workplace and to see like the creative department right next door. And I would go to these meetings where I'm the media planner there. They're presenting their creative work. I have all these ideas about what it could be, what it should be, some funny like things. By the end of my time there, they had started to pick up on it. So I was getting called in like brainstorms, but it just, it was too little too late and I just didn't feel good at that point. So I quit. Yeah. And I moved in with you. Yeah. And I moved remember I flew up and I drove your U-Haul full of stuff yep. down, uh, which is true commitment. If, you ever, or if you're in a relationship and you fly somewhere and you fill really a U-Haul and drive a U-Haul, you're committed. Like that's pot committed for life. You just it's may true. as well have just, just called it then. I think that was our, basically we got married. That was the engagement. Yeah. Yeah. It was the walkie-talkies. <laughs> U-Haul. Uh, I think we talked about that in the wrist episode. We talked kind of like from this part forward, I think right. we picked up on a lot of those things, but I think that's kind of like our origin story getting up to you starting Starting to work for, yeah, well, you got a job in Jacksonville that didn't work out. You started working for my business. I wear your shirt kind of fizzled out. Um, I think the only other part of the, um, origin story, origin story stuff is really just at what point did you feel like corporate America wasn't for you? The in general. Yeah. Even, even when you got the first job, you're just like, I don't think I'm going to be in one of these forever. Cause I just remember like, as soon as I got that job at ATP, I was like, I just somehow have to not be in this. Like I can't like the authority of it, the corporate ladderness of it. I think I, I don't think it was the first job. I think it was the second job because that second job, this is when I had moved back in with you. I was in Jacksonville. I was working for a local ad agency in the social media department, which at the time was only about three people. And it was so new. And at that point, I very much loved my boss who was a great boss, but he didn't really, he was out of his depth. Like he, he came from the old world of advertising. So he was the creative director, but he was basically managing this social media department that he didn't really know even what it was. Um, and so 
I think when I really decided corporate America wasn't for me was when I started realizing that I knew more than he did in that area and that I didn't feel like I had the power to necessarily do what I knew was the right thing to do for clients. Um, and, and I think anytime that you have this realization that there's a power structure, but that you actually are more adept that maybe at, at a certain thing than maybe the person, you know, who's above you or your boss or whatever, it starts to make the whole matrix crumble for you. Cause you're just like, well, wait a second. I was under the impression that like, if you were my boss, you would kind of know everything and like that, you know? Yeah. And so I think that realization coupled with the fact that I was coming home every night to you cause we were living together and you were running this business and it was so fun and it was so different and it was so like wild west of and you're, internet. Like, you're controlling everything. And hundred yeah. percent. And I just really, and I hated the commute. And so oh, to yeah. be honest, I think the whole working from home thing was the major key, just the lifestyle of being able to make your own hours. And so suddenly it just was like, wait, the combination of this isn't what I thought it was, but then also there is another way and I'm seeing it on a daily basis. I was like, F this. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can to get out of this. I think one of the big turning points for me and all that, and also yeah. you mentioned something about I wear your shirt earlier. Do you want to come back to oh, that? Oh yeah, I do. Um, one of the big turning points for me was when I left the nine to five world, I started my first company, which is a design company yeah. with a friend, um, is that I actually found that the more effort I put in, the more potential return I yes, get out. Yes, that is huge. That's the first thing that, that I ever learned about being an entrepreneur that was just an amazing spark. Almost bigger than a love spark, if you think about it. Almost. Not, not as. Not quite. Not quite. close. Uh, that was the, huge. Because like, I remember working at that nine to five job and like I would kill myself to design these things that were so unique and do all this stuff and no one really cared. cared. They just wanted the thing to be done yep. and that was it. And like there was no reward for it. Not to mention when you're in a position and you have a salary, it feels like if you put, think of it like a bucket. Like if you put all this effort into this bucket, it tops off. For like sure. you can't, you, the bucket doesn't get bigger. You don't get more water that you're like, so all this effort you're putting in has a cap to it. That's what a salary felt like versus because that was huge for me. The idea of entrepreneurship and the fact that you have an impact and also your potential spoils are like, it are, well, I keep saying like inverse, inversely related to, but no equal to right. the effort that you are willing to put into it. And that is so empowering. And for like control freaks like us, that is so what we need to hear because it's the most frustrating thing when you are an achiever and a doer and you're in an environment where that is not being rewarded. Yeah, for sure. Um, do we want to touch on any of the stuff Leading up to I Wear Your Shirt? I want to talk about I Wear Your Shirt for a chunk of time because that was really our, both of our, in different ways, like entrepreneurial coming of age era, right? Yeah, Would you I agree mean, with I, that? Well, I think I think Thought and Theory was mine. Well, no, no, no. I think Thought and Theory was great for a, a lot of reasons. That was your first business. Yeah. Like, no doubt, that was your first understanding how business works. But I think the most lessons that you oh, have yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Th like yeah. I wear your shirt was you creating something from nothing from an idea that nobody else was doing. Um, and it was my first for foray into nobody's going to tell you what your job description is. Nobody's going to tell you what this company needs. You have yeah. to wake up every day and decide yeah. how you're going to make an impact. So I would love to hear from both of our perspectives, what that era was like. So we're talking for you, it was like 2008 yeah. to 2013. Yeah. For me, it was 2011 to 2013. Okay. 
So for me, so the idea of I Reassure came about from clients that we had at a design firm. And many people have probably heard me say this already. So but I'll, some go, haven't, I'll so. go quickly. Uh, and then they kept asking about Facebook and Twitter and all these other things. And this is 2008. So Facebook had just gone like open platform where you didn't have to have a college email address to join. Twitter was very fledgling, pun intended, because of the bird. Uh, and it just was those like... I didn't even use those things. I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. And YouTube had, you know, I think they were a year into existence or maybe two or three years, but like no one was really doing anything with YouTube. Maybe I Justine was like the only person on YouTube consistently, <laughs> truthfully. And and I, I just remember looking at these platforms after these clients asking us and going, this is interesting. There are people here. There are a good amount of people here. And there are brands that want to be in front of these people there has to be some type of connection like we already have with radio and TV and all this stuff where they're like brands fit in there some way. And I just remember seeing this and going like, like what about just a spokesperson or like a human that does these things? And, and instead of just shilling, you know, someone's, Hey, buy this thing for nine 99. It's, it's like, tell their story, like be a part of that. And, and I don't know where any of that actually came from those thoughts for me. It was more of just, this seems interesting. I feel like someone should do this. Not even just me. Like there's an opportunity. This is what I think is so fascinating to me is we're in 2018. Now we're talking about this. You're describing what most people now know to be an influencer, like yeah. an influencer marketing. And that's a real thing now. But like you guys, this was totally mind blowing to people in 2008. And I, I was smiling as you were saying all of that, because I still remember one of the biggest hurdles that we had with people like you doing interviews or potential clients or people emailing in was like people going, okay, but like how many people see him in the t-shirt during yeah. the day? Like yeah. they meant in real life. Yeah. They could That's not, all they could think, all about. they could think about yeah. was like, oh, he's, his t-shirt is the billboard and he's walking past people. Like they're how many people yeah. well, is he like, seeing? Where do you go? Do you go to the do you mall? Go to the mall? Do, you do you go to, yeah. and we're like, no, 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 it's online. He can literally be anywhere yeah. with anyone, with a number of people. And it's, endless, you know, and it was so hard for people to wrap their heads around like that people, like the idea of digital ad space and the idea of somebody being present on social media and that you would get far more impressions online than you would ever get walking around a mall. Yeah. Um, but I just, I'm laughing because it's like, of course we know that now. Of yeah. course we know YouTubers are things. Well, and I'll, I'll even say like, I had those thoughts, but I didn't know how to make it happen. Like right. I didn't know that it would happen. I just thought it could. And uh, I've talked about it in so many other places. So if you want like the full, I wear your shirt story, you can probably find it in many places. Um, even on wandering Aimfully's site slash I wear your shirt. I have some audio that I talk about like the very beginning. So yeah. like how the website got started and all those things, first clients. But I'll remember, I remember my brain shifted from that exact thought of like how many people will see it. I did my first Ustream show, which was a live streaming platform. And Ustream was very young at the time, but they had a lot of attention and they put me on the homepage. And this was like the first time that I had like gotten some notoriety or some visibility. And I remember finishing up that show and I think like 5,000 people had watched and you were like, when I looked and I was like, this is, this is what I'm thinking. Like, this is what I believed right. could happen. And it actually does. Like people can see this and I don't have to go anywhere. I'm in my home. I turned on a camera on my laptop and I talked to a bunch of strangers. And now of course you have like the daily vloggers, the Casey Neistat's of the world. And there's 300,000 views on one video within minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing to think back, like looking at I wear your shirt and just like, I, it's not to say that I was the first person to see that, but I think I was just one of the few people who went like, 
hey, there's also a business opportunity here. Right. It's not just I can be famous or I can build a brand because I don't even think people were thinking about that at the time. They're just like, I can just be a person and I'm interesting. It was, I actually saw it as a business opportunity where brands right. want to be in this place and they want to reach these people. Well, here, right. That's what I think is so interesting though about the whole, do you think it was too early conversation is that the way that it has gone in terms of seeping into public opinion is that you have all these people who were creating just for the sake of, I think I'm interesting. I want to share content. I'm, I'm a creator. I'm expressing myself. Then brands see the opportunity of these people are attracting large audiences. We can get our brands in front of them. And <laughs> excuse me, but we can tell them what happened, right? Yeah. 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 You almost died. I choked on my own spit and yeah. I, choked and I'll I leave, died. I'll leave like a little bit of the choking just as like a cliffhanger, but then I'll bring it back in and we'll just see. You know, Maybe the part where I said I'm dying, but yeah. I am alive. Okay. So what I think is interesting about that is that's how it's kind of gone. But you, you just cut straight to the business opportunity. You were just like, Hey brands. Well, yeah, I don't even have an audience yet, but I, I'm going to, and this is going to be interesting. So that's why I think having the first business was so important because I saw, Hey, if I spend time, if I do things, I can make money right. and I can like have this value exchange and that's how business works. Right. I did not want to just flip on a camera and sit around and then hope that something would happen. Right. I mean, you can, maybe it's even harder now. A couple of years ago, mm. it would have been very easy to do that and like, you're new, you're exciting, you have a personality, brands want to get behind it. It's it's really easy. Maybe even now you could still do that and it's fine if you're a really like strong personality that's different. But in 2008, I mean it's it's kind of weird to convince people to do that. And oh, it, yeah. and so, you know, do I think that it was too early? It's a really hard question to answer because I think it in some respects it was very much at the perfect time because it was right after the recession. So a lot of people even told me they're like, hey, we're cutting well, yeah. all of our ad budgets everywhere else. So we need stuff that stands out. We need right. stuff that's new. And that's that different. was actually the interesting thing about it is the way that you priced it. It was very affordable. Right. And it's still like I mean, it was the perfect pricing model, economically speaking, for you because you made a good wage doing it, but then also brands. So if you don't know, them, yeah, if you don't know the, the, so originally the pricing structure for Irish shirt was going to be a hundred dollars per day. And right. I was going to wear a shirt every single day in 2009, starting on January 1st and during December 31st. And I was going to make $36,000. And then I ran that mm. math in my head and I was like, wait, I'm making $20,000 less than I did at my three. And you're working every job, day and I'm working every single day. So this doesn't work. And I remember having a conversation with a guy named Chris. Yeah. And he was an angel investor at the time. He just found me on Twitter and you know, I'd just been tweeting and sharing things that I was doing and getting ready to do this. I wear shirt project. And we hopped on a call and he just kind of talked me through some of the things. And he was like, I really, you know, there's, there's gotta be something interesting with the pricing because it's just like the hundred dollars doesn't do anything. For well, anybody. and didn't he say like, nobody you're like, you're going to be a nobody at the beginning of the well, year. Yeah. And, and so can you have the price kind of go along if you start to accrue popularity that like grows with you? And so through that conversation, another couple of conversations, that's where the $1 on the first day, $2 on the second. So basically the face value of the year, what day of the year was how much it was. So January 31st, it was $31, December 31st, $365. Um, and yeah, it was very hard to explain the pricing structure. To still people. is. Still is. It's hard to, people didn't really get it, but when they they saw the calendar, which is yeah. how people could visualize it. They went, Oh, I get it. I can pick the day. And, and yeah, it makes sense later on in the year. And when you add that up and when you add that up, it's worth $66,795, which by the way, I did in a, in a Excel sheet, starting with one typing all the way to 365 and then selecting them all. And you know, otherwise there's a formula for this, yes. uh, which I've now learned, uh, that I can use, which I still don't know how to use, but, and you don't care to use, but no, anyway. So but back to your question, I think I reassure it was the perfect time 
but it also probably could have been better a couple years later. But then you don't know if someone else would have had a similar thought yeah. and done it before you. So it's really difficult. I know it's a it's a weird question, but I I guess what I'm really getting to is now when you see these influencers that can make so much money out of just doing like an ad in their photo or whatever, am I is just it, mad? Well, is there ever? And I know the answer, but like for me, there's still some type of a seed of where I go. God, Jace like Jace knew this was coming. Yeah. He, like you no, know? I mean I I look at it like any of the people who like had the first version of X and then someone came along and did it better and and I, I will say that I think that was that was one of the mistakes that I made with Irish shirt as I went from guy being himself talking about the shirt his day you know kind of more vlog before a vlog was a thing yeah to like I'm making a commercial yeah. to try and tell a story or do something funny like more of a skit. And had I stayed with, I think, the vlog thing, I just would have been, like, not to say I would have been Casey Neistat, but, like, I would have been the first version of that or one of the first versions of that. And it probably would have been a whole different trajectory. Yeah. But what's so interesting, so even as I'm saying that, what's so interesting about that is that I think knowing what we know now, we would never want that for ourselves. Well, yeah. I mean, because it just, puts, yeah, your, so by much, monetizing yeah. your whole life and your personality, it puts so much pressure on you to be that. Like even you had talked about like when people are paying you money to, and you have a bad day, like you couldn't be sick yeah. because that person had, or that company had paid for that day. And so just because of the timing of it, you weren't going to give them a less than stellar end result. So I think the best thing that could have happened was like, I wear your shirt kind of closed its doors. So then, then we were forced to scramble and do all these other business ideas to make sustainable income in that way. And, right. and almost now we're coming back around to then be like, okay, now we we're blending, blending. We've created the life that we want, but we have fi financial structures in place to be able to monetize products and, yep. and create a value exchange. So now there's not, it's not lopsided. Right. Like we're not just all lifestyle and then feeling like we have to fit our lifestyle into some sort of ad product, yeah. but then we're not all just business and we can't live the life that we want. You know yeah. what I mean? I do still love, like I even think about, I, I have so many fond memories of like the companies that we worked with and the things that we did during our reassured. And uh, re recently we talked about this road trip that we took with uh, Sean, who was a shirt wearer and Monix, uh, we went up the coast to the East Coast, went to, I think, like nine different cities, did this trivia trip. We had a, a wrapped vehicle. You can actually find the video on YouTube if you want. It's the Buzz Time Trivia. Beers and Brains Trivia Tour. Yeah, you'll find You can find it. Um, it was so fun. And I think about things like that, and I'm like, I do want to do stuff like that. Like, I want to find a way to have a brand, get on board, like create a story, create a memory. Because I think what happens with, with being an entrepreneur and with, like, running your own thing is – if you just do things that the majority of people don't do, it's interesting to watch. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing like I've always loved doing is just like, how can I do things that people don't do? Because it's a compelling story. It's an interesting thing. Um, and I think that's just what has always come naturally to me from the beginning of talking about that, like thinking differently, not seeing the world the way that it's handed to you. And even, even now looking at like how people do, you know, branded stories and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, but like, can we do it differently? You know, right. like, can we figure out a way? And I, and I think, that's going to be something that we play around with with Wandering Aimfully is working with some brands in different ways, creating some different things and and having that happen. And some of it will probably just happen organically with, you know, the way that our content evolves and kind of comes yeah. out. Because we have a business model that supports well, everything. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's all a balance. This has been like the, the uh, eternal struggle, I feel like, of being a creative entrepreneur is that you have these two polar, not polar opposites, but 
you have these ideas that are different and pure creativity and original. And then you have money and making money and practicality and finding a way to blend those two things together. Or sometimes I've realized it is just a pendulum swing. Like rather than trying to fit the two things together, because sometimes the pure idea that you have isn't a thing that's going to make money in the way that you think it is. So I've also come to realize that you can just swing the pendulum back and forth. So like for us, it's creating a foundation of this membership for Wandering Gamefully and there is a monetization structure in it and there is a value exchange there and creating that will then allow us to do things a little bit more differently and to create custom content for those people and for our audience. So, um, look, it would just be really fun. I just think about like, I would love to go back to Iceland I'd love to have a brand that resonates with us and that could resonate with our audience. And then we get to just like be in Iceland and be ourselves and do fun things and be creative and like make a fun piece of content or pieces of content. And then that's it. You know, it's like, then we just move on and it's not like an ongoing relationship. It's not a permanent thing. It's just like one story that was told and then you move, move on and go forward. Hey man, write it down in the idea book. Write it down. Well, I think it's like, we've done that. So now it's it's doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything Those else? Those are the origins. Origin story we want to talk about. I think that's good. I think that's good. I hope that, I mean, the intention behind this episode was just, especially people who are longtime kind of in the community can get a little bit more context of things and, you know, memories. And if they've been here for a long time, they can be a part of that. But then also if, if you're new and you just have no idea what has led us to here, that that has given you a better picture. Yep. I think we dove into a couple things that we've touched on before, but we went a little bit deeper yeah. um, in this episode. So I hope that that is helpful. Just hoping that this is like a get to know us and get to know who we are and hopefully it resonates. And maybe you have some Saved by the Bell summer series memories that you got to explore during this. That's really, awesome. I mean, if that's all you walk away with, that's, then that's it. We did All our right. jobs. Let's finish this up with the segment we like to call Wugtafee. Please stop Everyone's trying to make favorite. the acronym happen. Wugtafee. Uh, this is, we Googled that for you. And this is a segment uh, in every episode where we Google something for you that we also ourselves don't know the answer to and we want to figure out. And typically we bring it to the other person to see if they know the answer or have any thoughts. Which Hopefully they never there's something do. fun there. Uh, so this week I went a little bit different uh, this week or this episode. And I went with um, the highest grossing movie franchises. I like this. I know you do. Also, just numbers are fun. Franchises. Franchises. Uh, So I actually have the top 10. Um, The first one I'm kind of mad about because it's, it's, well, I'll get to it. Um, And then I have a couple fun honorable mentions. So what I'm going to see is how many of the top 10 do you think you can name? Let's go with that. Seven. You think you can name seven? think so all right you get seven guesses no yeah that's how it's gonna work i get 10 guesses to try to get seven (laughs) okay okay you keep track of your guesses then that's kind of confusing that's all right no i'm just saying like because that means i get three wrong okay okay three strikes you're out that that's a good way three three strikes you're out okay and then i'll go through them in order can you give me any no zero nothing okay 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 (laughs) twilight nope oh strike one i thought because we talked about this the other day you you tricked me i know you did Fast and the Furious? Yes. That's good. Um, so if Twilight's... I'm going to need you to like... I understand, gotta, but if Twilight's not on there, then Mission Impossible can't be on there. Is that a guess? No. Ooh. Okay. Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. Uh, it's got to be Marvel stuff, right? But what do those count as? Um, so let's say... 
Iron Man. Okay, I'm gonna give you Marvel because Marvel is the number one grossing. They counted it as they one. They counted it as one, not oh. like Thor. I know that's why I was that's... bitter about the number one. Okay, so Marvel. Marvel, Marvel is one. So yeah. Okay. Uh, the Batman franchise. Yes. That's three. Um, God, franchises, franchises, franchises. Harry Potter. Yeah. Duh. People out there are like, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, say it. Say it. Um, Hunger Games? No. Strike two. I know, dangerous. Stakes are high. Stakes are so high. Okay. I just love that people listening to this, car, treadmill, wherever you are, they're so frustrated because they have like five They have five so many. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think in my head where I'm like, another one of those? Mission Impossible. No. Strike three. You're out. All right. Let's start at number one Marvel Universe. Yes, yes, yes. $15 billion. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so they lump That's pretty much everything in there except for Spider-Man, which is weird. I'll get to that in a minute. So number two, Star Wars, $8.9 Oh, God. Billion. People yeah, hate me right now. They hate me mad, right now. Okay, Star Wars. Uh, number three, Harry Potter, $8.5 billion. Uh, Billy. Number four, this was surprising to me, what? but then also not surprising when I thought about how many of them there are. James Bond, seven oh, billion. Okay, but we haven't had one of those in a long time. I know. Lord of the Rings, oh, five point eight billion. I am so mad at myself. Yeah. Fast and the Furious, dead middle, five point one billion. X Men, five billion. Yeah. Spider Man. See, that's the interesting one. That is a part of the Marvel universe, but kind of not. It's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. Sony or and also, do you do you Include like Tobey Maguire oh, Spider Man yeah, yeah, with you, Andrew yeah, Garfield yeah, yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, you include the entire universe of those movies. This is the franchise. Four point eight billion for Spider Man. Good okay. job. Uh, Batman four point five okay. billion, as you said, and last in the top ten. Pretty much like it was like a couple million behind Batman. Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh wow. Four point five billion. Uh, at, they also included, or they didn't include in this list. I think I got this from Mental Floss. In case you want to check my thing, uh, is the the ride itself has made so far almost a billion dollars, the Pirates of the Caribbean. How do you say the right itself? Things. It's a part of the park. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right, honorable mention. I have three honorable mentions for you. Hunger Games? Uh, no. Oh. Twilight yes. has made $3.5 billion. That's a lot. Not including book sales. Billion dollars in the box office. It's a lot of billion dollars. These are worldwide numbers. For Kristen Stewart's lip biting. Uh, I told you this before. Do you remember how much the Die Hard franchise has made? No. $1.5 billion. Guys. yippee ki Fun fact about me, had never seen Die Hard until like not we- sing- weeks well, ago. Well, that's not true. We actually watched the newer ones. So you'd seen four and five. You haven't oh, seen one through three, which is funny. I don't count funny. those. Yeah. But I just saw the old ones and I love They're those so movies. They're so good. All right. And here is your fun last question of the show. Yeah. First part of it's a two-parter. Okay. How many films has Adam Sandler made to date? Wow. In, been starred in or made? Oh, I don't know the answer. Okay. So. I think I think both. Fine. How many movies? Yeah. 53. I think it's starred in then. I think it's starred so in. So lower. Yeah. 33. Close. 29. Ooh, so close. And what do you think the gross of all those movies is worldwide? This is just Adam Sandler movies that he's been in. Of those 33 movies? 29 was the right of answer. 29 movies? Um, $750 million. Two 
Billion nine billion dollars. Okay. One billion of that was Click. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really like Click. Terrible. It movie. makes me sad. Terrible movie. All what right, about that's, Spanglish? That's we googled okay. that for you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed learning the top grossing movie franchises. That's a fun one. Uh, I thought it was a fun one. That's gonna Money inform. That's fun. gonna inform my next one of like trivia. It's gonna be yeah. less like, hey, where did this you come do from? Whatever. Uh, thanks as always for listening to another episode or watching if you're on YouTube. By the way, we do a fun thing. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, it's how you can support the show some more other uh, people find it we don't have sponsors on the show right now so we would love your support in that way because we got to make some monies and more reviews on iTunes means other stuff I don't know leave a review <laughs> and send us an email with a screenshot with your address in that email to hello at wanderingamefully.com and we will review your review via a postcard we will send you a postcard we will write a review of your review on a postcard send it to and we will email. assign a star value yeah I'm not saying that it will be the exact amount of star value that you give us. Right. Well, it just depends on what they're reviewed. Like someone could leave a five-star review because we're a five-star review only family. Thank you. Uh, and it could just be really thoughtful. And then we have to write a really thoughtful one yeah. better. And then maybe we wrote a six-star review for their review. I don't know. It's crazy. We're just adding stars. So leave a review. Send an email with a screenshot of it. Send us your mailing address. We'll write a review on a postcard. It's super weird. It's super silly. But hey, why not? It's fun. That's us. It's different. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully see you on the socials. Subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube and uh, wherever you're listening. That's all. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.